Still on the series, enjoying multiplied grace and peace. Help me greet your neighbor in the Hebrew language this morning. Say to them, Hasid, Shalom, Lachem. Don't spit on them. Try to. <laughs> I'm fighting too, so I know. Say to them, Hasid. Look like something wants to come out. <laughs> Shalom. Lachem. That's grace and peace to you. In 2 Peter 1 2, Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, said, Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How do we get grace and peace to be multiplied? It is through knowledge. The more you know God, the more you know the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you relate to the Holy Spirit, grace and peace are the more multiplied to you. Because they can be multiplied. And we need multiples of grace and peace in the days in which we live. Do you agree with me? One little bad news from social media can just ruin one's day. But God knows that we are here at such a time as this. And that's why in Christ, he has packaged grace and peace for your mental health. If we consider certain things that are happening in our country and in the world and in our lives today, like I said a couple of Sundays ago, I mean, one would just end up in the mental hospital. When you consider the enormity of the challenges of our days. But God knew before the foundation of the world that a time such as this would come. So what has he done to help our mental health? He has packaged grace and peace for such a time as this. God knew before the foundation of the world that you'll be going through what you're going through right now. That you'll be in the situation that you're in right now. Nothing catches God by surprise. It may catch you by surprise, but not God. He's omniscient. Omniscient means he knows it all. Glory be to God. Is the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end and everything in the middle. And because this God is a gracious God, a merciful father, a good God, he decided, look, I'm going to protect the heart and the minds of my children. I'm going to protect their mental health. I'm going to protect everything that has to do with them. So he packaged in Christ and through Christ for us grace to carry on and peace while we carry on. You better don't do without either of them. Without grace, we will be disgraced. To remove grace from a man's life is to disgrace him. Disgrace him. Like when they disrobe a, a, a royalty. They say, well, she was a queen like Vashti, but she was, she was disrobed. They took away the robe of royalty from her. And she paved the way for Hadesah, known as Esther in the Bible. May you not be disgraced in Jesus' name. How about peace? Oh, peace is so important. Philippians 4 verse 6, Paul the apostle praying for the church said, be anxious for nothing. For nothing. Nothing. Be anxious for how many things? What about the food you're going to eat? What about your house rent? How about your education? Come on, talk to me, church. Be anxious for how many things? Nothing. 
But in all things, the Bible says, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Then something will happen after you have made your request known to God. Verse 7, and the shalom of God, the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. The, the peace of God that cannot be understood. It's beyond all understanding. That's what some people describe as the peace that makes no sense. You just have it. You need, we need these two powerful forces in the days in which we live. And so I've been on that series for a while, hoping to conclude it today. And for a subtitle, I have Shake Off the Beast. I want us to look at the life of the man who actually taught us the concept of grace and peace. The man who wrote his epistles to the churches and opened almost every epistle with grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Was his life rosy? Did he have it good every time? He had the good times, but hey, Paul the Apostle also had the rough times. And if you read the epistles well, you will discover that Paul did not shy away from the fact that he had troubles. Some people today will tell you that when you're a man of faith, you don't have any trouble, you don't cry, you don't break down, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. Hey, listen to me. There are times you have pain in your body and you are ministering to other people asking their pain to go. The Bible never promises that faith will bring you to that point in your life where you will not be challenged. The life of faith, living the life of faith does not mean that we are not going to be challenged. In fact, the Paul, Peter, Apostle Peter said, you will have the fiery trial of your faith. In, I believe, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 Peter 4, 7, he said, don't think it's strange, brethren, when your faith now, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4, 12, 4, 12. He says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the very trial which is to try you. <laughs> beloved, don't think it strange concerning the very trial. The trial is bad enough. Now it is very. That's fine. Which is to try the devil? Which is to try who? Come and talk to me, George. <laughs> this is one scripture people don't like. I'm blessed and highly favored. Yes, you'll be tried. Your faith will be tried, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. When you're going through fiery trials, don't think like something strange has happened to you. It's not strange. It's part of the journey. But that is not to say that we don't have a responsibility. Concerning what we permit and what we do not permit in our lives. That's the crux of my message this morning. The fact that you are going through stuff, going through challenges, does not mean that you accept just whatever the devil throws at you. The Yorubas have a popular parlance. They say when uh, a big, how do they say e in English now? Uh, a big uh, I-Y-A. Right? Like a big disgrace kind of a uh, big challenge throws you down then the little 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 troubles will now start dancing on you you don't have to allow that to happen 
you go through stuff, but you must tell the devil, this is your boundary. You don't cross your boundary. My faith has been tried, but that does not mean I'm going to accept anything you throw at me, hook, line, and sinker. That does not mean I'm going to accept that sickness that you are trying to sell to me. Because if you allow the devil, his ministry is threefold. John 10.10. 10, to steal from you, to kill you if you allow him, and to destroy you. But you have a choice under God to say, by faith, in the name of Jesus, I resist you, Satan. You have prospered thus far. You will prosper no more in my life. Up! Get your stuff and get out in the name of Jesus. You have that believer's authority. Can I have an amen? So you don't fold your hands and continue to suffer. I say, well, maybe this suffering is from the Lord. Maybe the Lord wanted me to be sick so that he could get my attention because I've been too, I've been too busy for the Lord. No, nonsense. That's why you must get acquainted with the word of God and know what God's will is and what God's will is not. I'm going to show you one of the journeys of Paul. He was going to Italy. And the journey was rough. That's going to be the crux of my message this morning. And the title is Shake Off the Beast. You'll find, I, I, took, I lifted the phrase from the Bible. I know senior pastor preached a message like this many, many years ago. I can't even remember the content, but I remember the title. And this jumped at me in the course of the week. I said, Lord, that's it. We're going there. Go to Acts 27. We're going to read the whole of Acts 27. And we're going to go into Acts 28. And we're going to read verses 1 to 10. Some of you have not read your Bible in a long, long time. Today, you are receiving deliverance in the name of Jesus. Shout a better amen. Let's go from verse 1. We're going to read everybody. And when, I can't hear you. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's read together. One, two, go. And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And entering into a ship of now, you have some tongue-twisting names here. Adramitium, we launched, let's go, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. One Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, been with us. And the next day, we touched at Zidon or Sidon. And Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. Glory be to God. Verse 5. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. <laughs> and there, the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us thereon. Glory be to God. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against, now this looks like what? Is this Sinidos? Or Snidos? Or Nidos? I, I, I told you some tongue-twisted names. And, and the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmon. Mm. And hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the fair heavens. Nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now, it wasn't Paul that wrote the Acts of the Apostles. It was Luke that wrote it. He was in the company, he traveled in the company of Paul. He was a physician. He was a medical doctor. 
and it was in the company of, of, of Paul. So he was part of this journey. He said, now, when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, now listen to the word of Paul, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the, of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to finish and there to winter, which is an haven of Crete and lie toward the southwest and northwest. Glory be to God. Every scripture is profitable for doctrine. Whether you understand it or not, it is profitable for you. And when the south wind, now I love this one. Let's go, let's go now. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, losing thence, they sailed close by Crete. Now, Paul warned them, don't let us go on this journey. But the Bible says, the south wind was blowing softly. So they thought, Mr. Paul, keep quiet. The south wind is blowing softly. That's a go ahead for us. There are times that there are danger signs that we need to pick up from the Holy Spirit. But say, no. I think everything is fine. I don't think we're going to have problems. The way I'm looking at the guy, he's a cool guy. The way I'm looking at the lady, she's, she, has, she doesn't have any problems. Because the, the, the south wind is blowing softly. There is a song back in the day that we used to sing when I used to listen to R&B a lot. It's called Killing Me Softly. By the few G's. Killing me softly with these words. Killing me softly with these words. Telling my whole life it is I'm killing me softly. You're shaking your head, baby. With these words. You know. You better don't marry someone killing you softly. <laughs> I don't know why they, I mean, they gave us those bad lyrics. When you confess that over your life again and again, killing, killing, no, no, nobody's killing you softly, amen? And nothing, nothing is permitted to kill you softly. Can I have an amen? Nothing is permitted to kill you at all in the name of Jesus, amen? They didn't listen to Paul because the south wind was blowing softly. And where am I now? Verse 14. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocledon. The soft wind was done. Now there was a tempestuous wind. After the soft wind. This is why you need to be careful in life. Not every business proposal is good for you. Ask the Holy Spirit, should I put my money there or not? Not every partnership is beneficial to your life. And running under, okay now, verse 15. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island which is called Clouda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps on the guarding the ship. There are some technical terms here. Just, just continue to read. And fearing, lest they should fall into the quicksand. 
straight sail, and so were driven. And we've been exceedingly tossed with the tempest. The next day, they lightened the ship. And the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. They came to the end of their hope. They thought, now, unto the Lamb upon the throne. They were going to say, R.I.P. here. All hope that they will be saved was gone. They didn't see the sun or the stars for many days. But, somebody say but. After long abstinence, this is not abstinence from sex. This is abstinence from talking. Everybody was quiet. Everybody was depressed. Paul was there. After long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have listened to me and not have loosed from critic and to have gained this harm and loss. Anyway, now I exhort you to be of good cheer for where they had not seen any star, they had not seen the sun for many days, they had only seen darkness and you are telling them to be of good cheer? Good cheer how? Good cheer come. Gucci tebuni. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the sheep. How did you know, Paul? Paul had heard from on high. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. <laughs> Do you know your God? The knowledge of God will keep you safe in the midst of the storms of life. It is the people that do know their God that shall be strong and do exploit. Daniel 11.32 Many people know about God. What their pastor told them. What their bishop told them. What their parents told them. What their friends told them. What Google told them. What do you know yourself about God? How much of God do you know? That is what will help you in the day of trouble. Paul spoke as someone that knew God. Everybody was depressed. Everybody was quiet. Paul said, no life shall be lost, but we are going to lose the ship. Because I have heard from on high, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood by me this night and told me these words. What did the angel say? Saying, Fear not, Paul. The angels know your name. Your angels know your name. Amen? Say they know my name. That should make you happy. When your angel says, Falake, fear not. Uriofe, fear not. Mariah, fear not. Isn't that good? Tosi, fear not. That makes you feel good. The angel said to Paul, he said, Paul, fear not. Fear not. Fear is something that must be banished from our lives. If we don't deal with fear, it will deal with us. That's why intermittently, when fear comes to you, it comes to all of us. Stop right there where you are. Open your mouth and speak out loud and take authority over that spirit of fear. It's a spirit. Psychology calls it a feeling. It's beyond the feeling. It's a spirit. Romans 8 and verse 14 
verse 14 tells us, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 15 says, for we have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear. It's a spirit of bondage. So stop right where you are and open your mouth and say, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to fear. People around you might think you are crazy, but you know you are not crazy. Can I have an amen? Say with me, church, this morning. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to fear. The angel said, fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. You will get to Italy. And lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. Because you are a covenant child of God. Every vehicle you bought, every aircraft you bought, your life, not only your life will be saved, but everyone traveling with you also will be saved. Can I have an amen to that? If a plane is meant to crash, the moment you bought that plane, not only will you be saved, all the other passengers will be saved because you are there. Can I have an amen? You know why? Because of the covenant that we have with God. The angel said to Paul, Paul, I have given you, God has given you every life traveling with you. So you will get to your destination safely. You will get before Caesar. Next verse. Wherefore, sirs, now Paul admonishing them, be of good cheer. Why? For I believe God. Somebody say, for I believe God. Do you believe God? Only three people believe God this morning. Do you believe God? Many of us believe Google more than God. You have a symptom in your body, you get on Google. Google. If I'm coughing and smiling at the same time, what does that mean? And Google has very terrible answers. It's an early sign of partial stroke. Coughing and smiling at the same time. Now, that is not accurate. I'm just giving you an instance. Don't always run to Google. Go to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? I believe God. Believe God more than you believe Google. Believe God more than you believe Siri. Those of you that use iPhones, you believe Siri. Believe God more than Siri. Believe God more than your friends. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. God gave me this word a couple of weeks ago. Because there's something I'm trusting him for. I've been trusting him for it for a while. And God said to me that it will fall, that that thing will come, that it will fall like rain. I will have it in abundance. Whatever miracle you're trusting God for, believe God. In this season, it will fall like rain. You will have it in abundance. If it's getting a job or getting jobs because you run your own business or receiving orders, they will fall like rain. You have more than enough. Can I have a better Amen. Not only did God tell me that, a few moments after I was driving, the Holy Spirit said to me, and it shall be as it has been told you. It shall be as, in fact, I didn't know that phrase was in the Bible until I was feasting on this. It shall be as it has been told you. Now, the Lord has used me to tell you this morning that that help you need, that miracle you need will fall like rain. Amen? And the Lord will have me say to you, it shall be as it has been told you in the name of Jesus. A better amen? Paul said, how be it, we must be cast upon a certain island. 
But when the 14th night was come, 14th night, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then, fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea, they were going to escape. Under color, as though they would have cast anchors out of the four ship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, if you don't let them escape, you cannot be saved. Don't let them escape so that we can be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the, the ropes of the boat that the, those men wanted to use to escape and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, this day is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. For 14 days and nights, these men neither ate nor drank anything. When there is real trouble, appetite disappears. When, back in the day, I used to hear people share testimony. They say, ah, when I was going through that trouble, in fact, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, I couldn't, I say, ah, <laughs> you can't eat. <laughs> now, I am not, naturally, I am not an eater. But whatever takes away my food when I want it is a serious something. I've never been there in my life. Never. Until this year. And until very recently. I started out fasting. Yeah. I took, took out some days and I was just seeking the face of the Lord and praying and fasting and praying. But I now discovered that on the day that I didn't mean to fast. My body was now on auto fast. Like you can be on autopilot or auto cruise. Then my wife began to sense that there was trouble. Don't worry, I will still share my testimony in full. It's still loading. I told God, December 31st at the crossover night, I will share the fullness of it. But before then, you would have heard a lot of it. I would have shared it with you. Can I have an amen to that? And I would have heard your own testimonies too, amen? My wife would be cooking in the kitchen and I will be praying in the room. And by the time she was dishing the food and putting it on the dining table, I will be begging God for appetite. I mean, food was like a punishment to me. I wanted to. I, I, I don't mean that I didn't want to. I wanted to eat, but no appetite. For the first time in my life, I would find myself belching before eating. Now, normally, you would belch when you are satisfied. Am I right about that? I would take two spoons and start belching. It was as though they took my stomach and divided it into about 16 compartments and released one compartment to me to be taking food. The moment that one was filled up, everywhere was filled. There was a day, thank God my wife is not in this service, and don't tell her. She served food. Now I told her, reduce my food into half. So she reduced my normal portion into half. And that half, I took only a few spoons. Then she went to the bedroom. I ran to the kitchen. I opened the, the, the waste bin and poured the food and covered it. Like I had finished eating. I could not after taking four spoons, I couldn't proceed. Now I knew there was a problem there. Not 
not only couldn't I eat, I also couldn't sleep either. Now normally, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when I'm done with work at about 10 p.m., 10.30, 11, by 11 normally, I don't want to engage in conversations. My friends overseas know that. I don't want to, because they like to talk at that time. I don't like to talk at that time. I've worked all day. I want to sleep all night. Because the Bible says that they that sleep, sleep in the night. The Bible says it, Psalm 4 verse 8 or 8 verse 4. I will both lay me down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. God's people, I will manage to go to bed at 12. Sometimes 11.30. By one sharp, I'll be up. And I mean I'll be up and my eyes will be so clear. TDB. I remember there was a time I took a journey and I, I was begging God. Actually, I wasn't praying in faith anymore. I was not begging him. I said, Lord, please, I beg you. Let me be able to sleep just one hour. I need that for my health. I didn't know what took away my peace. I didn't know what took away my, 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 my appetite. Whatever, whoever that guy was, to hell with him in the name of Jesus. So when I started reading this again, I said, oh, okay, it was that thing. This man lost their peace for 14 days and night. Now, medical science will tell you that that's very dangerous even to your mental health. Some people can't sleep for four days. They end up in PLU at the University College Hospital, Ibadan, Nigeria, West Africa. PLU means Professor Lambo Unit, and that's where they treat cases that have to do with psychosis and neurosis and stuff around the mental faculty. These men were there 14 days and nights. You don't tell them to eat. Eat what? Their lives were in danger. They didn't see the stars. They didn't see the moon. This is depression. This is the, the meaning of depression. Paul now got up and told them after 14 days, guys, cheer up. They said, what for? They said, you need to take some meat for your health. Look at what Paul said. Where did I stop? 34. So I've gone very far. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat for this is for your health. Paul was not a medical doctor, but he knew that if you get on a fast like this, this kind of prolonged fast, you're endangering your health, especially if you didn't mean to fast. Senior pastor went on a 21-day fast in England about um, close to five years ago. But before he did, he went to his father in the Lord. Who had done that about four times. And that's Reverend Paul Ginobili of New Covenant Church. So that's our grandpa. Praise God. Amen. And he's coming for dunamis. Glory be to God. And he's coming with his wife. Amen. They are coming in the fullness of the blessing. Don't miss dunamis for anything. If you are going abroad, put your tickets after dunamis. The day after. Amen. Now. Amen. Praise God. He had to seek counsel from his father. And his father told him, when you want to engage on a fast like this, there's a time to drink water 
there's the amount of water to drink. So you do it under guidance. Otherwise, some people go into fast like that and they go on the fast lane to heaven. This is what they call in Yoruba language, biri, biri. Do you know why they call it biri, biri? Because your eyes will be seeing, you'll be seeing men like trees. In my former church, they compelled us to go on a three-day bri bri fast like that. Bri bri. The first night, I wanted to die. By 10 p.m. Normally, when you fast, by 6 p.m. you break. Abi, six, nine, no break. Seven, eight, nine, ten. I said, oh Lord, I'm coming to heaven. By the following day, I couldn't talk. They would talk to me as a, As we managed to enter the third day, pastor, our pastor said, please, we can make some tea without sugar. Just give them something to... Ah. And they warned us, when you want to break, you don't break with a malawepa or pounded yam. You have to break with fruit. Imagine 14 days on a journey that was leading nowhere. Paul had to be a man of faith. In the middle of a depression like this, to say, let's eat. When you're in trouble, food is the last thing on your mind. They just stole somebody's phone, all the apps gone, all the school documents, all your work, your assignments, everything gone, and, and, and you are going to have tests tomorrow, and somebody said, will you eat something tonight? Is that the time to eat? But this is faith in action. Paul was on that journey too. Everything happened to him too. Faith separates the men from the boys. Church, you're hearing this message today, not only for today, but for many days to come. Because as we progress in life, we are challenged on a higher level. The higher we go, the bigger the challenges. And glory be to God, because it causes us to triumph always in Christ Jesus. Can I have an amen? For this is for your health. For there shall not an hair fall off from the head of any of you. You will not die. He was telling them. Nothing is going to happen to you. But eat some meat for your health. And when he had thus spoken, and they didn't listen to him, he took bread. Thank God for Paul. He took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Father, I have told them to eat. They are not eating. I bless your name for this bread and this meat. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you have helped us. And you have spoken to me that we are not going to die. Even though they don't believe me. Lord, I thank you for my appetite that has just returned. And may I tell you, church, this morning my appetite has returned. Oh, glory to God. I found myself one morning, I got up and I told my wife, can I have my breakfast, please? She looked at me like, what? Your breakfast is ready. Glory be to God. And when I sat down at that table, I leveled up the mountain. I said, these mountains shall be removed. Glory be to God. And I've been sleeping well. Amen? Oh, no. Oh, nobody knew the trouble that I saw. Don't stay in trouble. Stay in Christ. 
it shall be as it has been told you in the name of Jesus. And I pray for anyone this morning that is troubled in their mind. Anyone oppressed by the devil. That oppression ends this morning. There's an anointing to end and to terminate that oppression. I'm going to pray for some people after the service. I, but I pray right now, right now. Your oppression is gone in the name of Jesus. Say a better amen. And he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer. And they also took some meat. They saw Paul eating. Then they began to say, please, <laughs> the one that is fried very well, please, that one, fried brown, please, please give me the goat meat, include ketchup, put some ketchup for me, please put, put bread, put bread, put jam. They all began to eat. And the Bible says, and we're all in the ship, 200, three score and 16 souls. You know how many people they were? 276 human beings. 276. Those were the people Paul was talking to. And when they had eaten enough because their appetite returned, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. So now we have, we have eaten and we are fine. Now the ship was going to sink so they needed to make it light. So they threw out the stuff that they didn't eat. And when it was day, they knew not the land. But they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea. And they loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the, the, the mainsail to the wind and made towards shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on board and some on broken pieces of the ship, they survived on broken pieces. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Somebody say all of them came to the land. Say all of them made it to the land safely. Chapter 28 and I'm going to read verses 1 to 10 and I'll give you a few points. And when they were escaped they came out of one danger. Then they knew that the island was called Melita. Today it is called Malta. That's the place called Malta now. Today. It used to be Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness for they kindled the fire and received us everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw that the venomous beast hung on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffered not to live. Verse 5. And he shook off the beast into the fire. This is where I got my message from. And felt no harm. How be it they looked when they should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island whose name was Publius 
who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and, and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed. Who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in the name of Jesus. I want to share four points with you as, we, as I drive these points home and close. I want you to know, before I begin to give you the points, that as you make progress in life, Satan will do everything within his ability to stop you. And this is why you must do everything within your ability to stop him so that he doesn't stop you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith? James 4, 7 says, To submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Ephesians 4, 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Every time a child of God is trying to make progress in life, Satan will make moves to stop you, stop your prayer life, Stop your word study. Stop you from attending church. The reason many are not in church this morning is because they feel that God has not answered their prayers yet. So they are discouraged. That's Satan trying to stop you. If you don't stop him, it will not only stop you from attending church, it will stop you from talking to God. And listen, anyone that the devil can isolate easily, he can destroy easily. When God sets you out on a journey, he sets you out so that you can accomplish the purpose for which he has sent you. God is not the God of abortion. He doesn't start a project and stop halfway. You'll find a classical illustration of that in Mark chapter 4 from verse 35 to 41. When Jesus said to the disciples, guys, let us go over. Let's pass over onto the other side. Let us pass over onto the other side. Let us pass over onto the other side. After they started the journey just a little bit, the wind rose up against them and was going to capsize their boat. There was water coming into the boat. So much so that they had to go and wake Jesus up and say, Master, don't you care that we die? Don't you care that we perish? Who told you you were going to perish? The master said, let's pass over. They should have rested themselves on the words of the master. Wind, you can be blowing. But the master said, we are passing over. So we are passing over. That's homologio, saying what God has said. You are not going to sink in the month of March 2023. Neither will you sink in July 2023. Whatever purpose God has started in your life, it will bring it to accomplishment. Let me give you this point very quickly. I've skipped a lot of things just because of time. One of the, now listen to this. One of the very areas where Satan defeats us Christians is in our thoughts. He sells ideas to us and encourages us to meditate on those ideas, bad ideas, negative ideas. And he will encourage you to meditate on it long enough, meditate on it long enough until it produces an imagination of defeat. Now, when those evil thoughts and imaginations are allowed to settle, they form strong goals in our mind. 
very difficult to break from. You can be in church this morning and the devil places in your mind the enormity of your current situation. So whatever Pastor Fred is saying, is just saying it, you are not hearing anything. I know it because I've been there. I know what it means for you to be talking to me and my mind is somewhere else. And I'm not hearing a thing in one hour. Because that devil keeps magnifying the problem, magnifying the situation larger than life. Whereas it's a lie because Christ has taken care of it. Can I have an amen? The devil will never tell you that Christ has taken care of your, of your, of your situation. He will never tell you. He will never encourage you. He will always discourage you. He will tell you how that you are not going to make it. So don't wait for the encouragement from the devil. He is not an encourager. If he encourages at all, it is to sin. And to go against God. And to drop your faith. And say, this Bible is not working. This faith thing is a scam. Your thoughts. Somebody say, my thoughts. Satan fires thoughts at us. Thoughts. Thoughts of defeat. Now look at you now. Look at your age. All your mates have gone ahead of you. Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. All for you to believe that doom, doom, defeat, defeat, failure, failure, until it becomes a stronghold. That's what the Bible says, casting down. 2 Corinthians 10, from verse 4, says that from verse 3, it says, we, though we walk after the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, say with me, thought, imaginations. What's the third one? Strongholds. They are all thoughts. They are all in the thought realm. The three of them. Thoughts, imaginations, strongholds. Thought, imagination, strongholds. Verse 3 says, we, though we walk after the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Listen, everybody. We're in a warfare. You don't like to hear that. But it's the truth. We are in a warfare. When you signed up as a child of God and you accepted Christ, you came to the firing line of the devil. Because he hates God. So he hates everything that has to do with God. And we also hate him. And we say in the name of Jesus to hell with him. Can the church say amen? If you are not afraid of the devil, say amen. amen. Now listen, whether you like the devil or not, he will still come after you. The people that serve him, they are so foolish. Because he's grooming them as Christmas chicken. When you are grooming Christmas chicken, you are feeding the chicken. You are giving it water and vitamins. The chicken is very happy. <laughs> My owner loves me. No, 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 no. We are doing that for Christmas Eve. I was the chief slaughterer in my family. December 24th was the night of slaughter. Whatever Christmas chicken my dad bought, I put it down. I removed the feathers from the neck. I would twist the head and put my knife. Blood would come out. Amen. That was the end of my love for that chicken. My love for it was, to, was for it to end up in my belly. People that serve the devil, they don't understand. He can give them money, give them fame, popularity, Maserati, give them houses, give them mansions in Hawaii. In do you know Hawaii? Oh, man. You, you've not been there? Go there. You will go someday in Jesus' name. It's in America. It's, that, it's, a, it's, a, vacation, it's a vacation, you know, uh, uh, place. 
nice state, very expensive, you will, you will enjoy. You will make money and then go and, go and enjoy it there. Amen. And, and win souls. Amen. Amen. The devil treats unbelievers like that. He can give them anything. But the day is coming for their soul. That's it. God is not like that. God is a good God. His intentions are always very good. So, now, the devil sells ideas to us. Thoughts to us. That pain in your body, do you know it might be cancerous? It comes as a thought. You have a choice. Whether to slap it down or to allow it. Another form of slap it down is shake it off. Shake off the beast. Every thought from the devil must be treated as a beast. How many of you? Now, Paul was on this island. The barbarians were helping them. They just suffered a shipwreck. It was raining and there was winter. So they made fire for them. But Paul had the mentality that I am not a victim. I'm a victor. You are trying to help me, but I will help you help me. You know some people, you are trying to help them and they are making the job difficult for you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They were trying to help Paul. Paul said, I will help you to help me. They were kindling the fire. Paul also went out and was gathering sticks. Sticks to be used as fuel for the fire. He didn't know he had gathered a snake along with the sticks. As he came close to the fire, because snakes are poikilothermic in nature, meaning their body temperature is regulated by the environment, by the external environment, such that they can come out, you know, during uh, summertime, they come out and you see them trying to, uh, in Yoruba language, they say, Yaoru. All the poikilotherms, the lizards and these reptiles, you see them coming out. I think crocodiles also do that too in UI. If you go to the zoo, they come out like in the afternoon or so and they open their mouth. They open it wide. Anything that likes to come, come. But they are enjoying the sun. And after a while, they go back in the water. The snake was hiding among the, the sticks. It was cold. So the snake was hiding. But the moment Paul brought the, the sticks close to the fire, the snake also felt the fire, the heat of the fire, and came out of the sticks and fastened itself to the hand of Paul. Gave him a good bite. And the barbarian said, what? This man must be a murderer. They were serving the God of justice on that island. They believed that the God of justice had caught up with Paul. He must have murdered a lot of people. He should have died in the shipwreck. Even though he explained, he escaped the shipwreck, the plane crash. Now the God of justice has caught up with him. He must be a murderer. Let's watch the way he will die. And the Bible says they stopped and they were looking at Paul, waiting for him to swell up or fall down suddenly and die. But the Bible says, Paul did something. He made a choice. Life is about the choices we make every day. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. I record this day against you. I present before you life and death, blessing and cursing. But I, I, I admonish you to choose life I plead with you to choose life so that both you and your seed may live. Look, every day we are presented with choices. Paul could have started crying there. Ah, snake, snake, ah, help me. No, not Paul. 
You know what he did? Shook up the beast into the fire. Where the beast belongs. That's where you belong. He shook it up. The devil will bring thoughts to you. You have a choice. You're going to die this year. There's no likelihood you'll make 2024. The choice is yours. Whether to soak it in, in self-pity and say, oh, is this the way somebody will die? Or to shake it off into the fire. It's a beast. Treat every thought from Satan as a beast. How many of you will see a snake in your room and you will still sleep in that room that night? And I mean, the kind of snake that fastened itself to Paul. It's not those tiny green snakes. I'm talking about big one. A beast. The Bible describes it as a beast. And then it comes. And then you can see. You say, okay, snake, stay there. Don't go beyond that place. I'm here. You are there. You are my co-tenant. Tonight, I want to sleep now. Don't come near me. How many of you will do that? No, come on, come on. Ah, where are the boat guys? How many of you do that? I asked a friend some years ago as a joke. I said, I mean, some, let, let's say somehow in the midnight, you just discovered that something was crawling on your body. And it was cold. <laughs> and then you now reach for your bedside lamp and you flip it and light comes on and it ends up being a sebe. You know what they call sebe? <laughs> oh, sebe. Sebe is the, the cobra. I think cobra is sebe. Yeah. Cobra. You know cobra? The one that does like this. And then the thing does like this in your face. Only you in your bedroom, on your bed, in the dead of the night. What are you going to do? My friend said, he will say, Brother Ejo. Ejo to your long. Ejo. Ejo. He will not be able to shout. He said, he will beg the snake and say, Bros, bros, snake, brother snake. I, I beg you. I beg you in God's name. He said, because if you shout, you think I'm fight. So you can't shout. I just, I just beg you to go. Now, that's not a funny thing, though. I mean, a friend of mine actually saw a snake on his bed. <laughs> Very tall guy. He jumped out of the window. <laughs> Nobody wants to accommodate a beast. Listen, church. You want to get a stick and fight that thing off? Or get a cutlass? Whatever you got to do? And you better be bold. Because a day might come. You might have to fight that thing if you are still living in Nigeria. Are you with me? Oh, nobody prays for it. <laughs> I never used to dream it when I was much younger. Like, God, don't let me ever encounter his ah, snake. No, 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 no. Let me be killing the rats and the cockroaches. No, no, no. But there was a day I had to face a snake. And it's either you kill the snake or, you know what I mean? And I had to kill the snake. That's why I'm still alive. Praise God. Amen. Now, treat every thought from Satan like that. Our problem many times is that we accommodate the thoughts of Satan. Imagine yourself accommodating a monkey in your room. A chimpanzee. You just come to your room and say, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Even Esther Oni, our verified and qualified veterinary doctor, will not accommodate. Abi Esther, will you accommodate a chimpanzee? Some of those guys are not nice. So they say that they give you one blow like this in the stomach, something can come out from the anus. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
You don't want to accommodate that. Or a lion is just strolling on the street. You say, ah, lion. Lion. Ah, go, go, go. <laughs> There's room here. How many of us will do that? Treat every thought from Satan as a beast. It's a beast. What about if the money doesn't come to pay your school fees? What do you do? <laughs> what did I tell you last week? Slap it down. But today, what am I saying? Shake it off into the fire. It, it belongs to the fire. Let it burn. Let it burn. So it doesn't ever come up again. You know you're 29 now and um, you don't have a relationship yet. What if, you know, because there are some ladies that are very beautiful, they have a good job, but they don't end up being married. What if, what if you don't get married? What, what do you do? Shake it into the fire. You are a child of the Most High God. Every daughter of God has a very handsome husband. Amen? And every son of God has a very beautiful wife. Can I have an amen? God has somebody for you. Can I have an amen? Uh, you know, now you are 45 and you don't have a business of your own yet. Are you going to make it? Are you going to wind up on the street? What are you going to do? Shake off the beast. Shake it off. Where? Into the fire. Cast it down and shake it off. Cast it down and shake it off. Slap it down. Don't slap people. Slap the thoughts down and shake it off. What if that thing you are trusting God for never comes? What if it comes to me? What if it comes right now? Cast down the thoughts. Shake up the beast. Amen? Four things to do. Number one, cast down those thoughts producing worry and anxiety in your mind in the name of Jesus. Listen again. Cast down those thoughts producing worry and anxiety in your mind in the name of Jesus. Every spirit, every thought producing worry and anxiety in your mind is not from God. The Holy Spirit does not give you anxiety. It's not a blessing of the Holy Spirit. It's not one of the fruit of the Spirit. Neither is it a gift of the Spirit. Worry and anxiety are dangerous to your health. Right? 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. Speak against it and rebuke it. In the name of Jesus. Proverbs 18, 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. I'll teach you this next week by the grace of God. I'm going to teach on the name, the power of the name. The name, the name of Jesus. Anxiety, anxiety disorder, panic attack. Man, those things can mess people up. If I've never been there in my life, well, maybe I would never know what it meant until I, until I was there. I said, okay, so this is what it means. When your phone rings and your heart is skipping a bit because you don't know what to say. You don't know, you don't know who is calling you. You don't know what news they are bringing next. Every phone call is almost bringing bad news. Just like what Job encountered. Every messenger that came brought a bad news. Before he left, the next one came. Before he left, the next one came. Sorry, all your children, when they were partying, they died. Sorry, all your animals, the fire came down. Sorry, sir, all your business. Ah! Panic attack. It's not a blessing from God. If anybody is on anxiety medication, listen to me this morning. The word of God is your main medication. And I decree by the stripes of Jesus you are healed. Can I have a better amen? Speak up against it. That's how to cast it down. Speak, speak up against it. The spirit of faith speaks. 2 Corinthians 4.13. The Bible says, we having the same spirit of faith as it is written, 
I believed and therefore have I, have I spoken. We also believe and we therefore keep quiet. Come and talk to me, church. When you believe, what do you do? Speak. Open your mouth and say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke worry. I rebuke anxiety. I am not anxious for anything. And I have the peace of God. Only God knows how many times I had to say that in the last couple of weeks. I mean, just standing up. Sometimes I'll go to my, my convenience and I'll stand in front of the mirror, look at myself and begin to speak to the man in front of the mirror. You need to do that. That's practical Christianity. Look, my faith now is not on the level of theory. I've graduated. Senior pastor said something to me years ago. He said, whatever you teach, whatever you preach, a time is coming, you will have to prove it. I went to him about two weeks ago. I said, sir, I think I'm, I'm, I'm now making full proof of, a, of my ministry. I'm now proving the things I've been teaching. He said, keep the switch of faith on, boy. I said, sir, yes, sir. The switch of faith is kept on. Glory be to God. I said, glory be to God. There might be moments when you go into your corner and you cry before the Lord and you wail and you roll on the floor, but you pick up strength from there and face your fear. Face it face to face. Confront, confront your fears. Open your mouth, whatever name it is called. Speak! What the enemy wants is for you to keep quiet and be boxed in the corner and he wants to punch you and punch you and you'll be crying. That's what the devil wants. Face him face to face. Shake off the beast. He's a beast. Shake him up into the fire. You have what it takes in you to overcome what you're going through now. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? I say it again. You have what it takes in you to overcome what you're going through now. How did I get to know? First Corinthians 10, 13. For there have no temptation taken you. Come on now on the screen. For there have no temptation taken you, which is not such as is common to man. There have no temptation taken you, which is not common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. But will with the temptation also make you way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You can handle it. God knows you can handle it. Say, I can handle it with Christ. Come on, come on. I'm preaching better than you're responding. See, I can handle it with Christ. Point number two, very quickly. Because I got to go. I have four of them. Don't fall into self-pity. Self-pity will lead to depression. Don't fall into self-pity. And don't allow anybody pity you. Don't fall into self-pity. Self-pity leads to depression. Lord, why me now, Lord? My friend, wipe your tears. Revelation 5.5. 5. He said, one of the elders said unto me, weep not. For the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book and to lose the seven seals thereof. Jesus has prevailed. You will prevail. Acts 19.20. The Bible says, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. I say, because the word prevails, you will prevail. A better amen. Get off from self-pity. Put on the garment of joy. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Remove the joy of the Lord, then you are weak. That's why you must have joy. Joy does not mean that you are happy. Joy is the fruit of the spirit. It's loaded in you, but it is supposed to produce happiness. Sometimes I'm praying in the, in the dead of the night, two hours, three hours. 
I don't stop praying until I hit the note of joy. And what is my note of joy? I pray to the point that I find myself laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because the devil says something. And I say, oh, okay, you said I'll be put to shame. Okay, and then it, it sounds funny to me. By the time it sounds funny to your spirit, that's the note of joy. Laugh. That laughter may even start in the flesh sometimes. Papa Hagen taught us that. He said you can start the laughter in the flesh. But as you continue, the spirit dimension will catch up with you. The devil says, now you're not going to make it. Now they're coming for you tomorrow. Now they're going put, to put your name on social media. Now you're going to be this, you're going to be that, you're going to be disgraced. Now forget it, they're not going to give you that thing. They, are not gonna, they won't give you. They've given everybody, now they've closed it. They're not going to give you. When you hear that, you have two options. Oh, they're not going to give me. Oh, oh, God, why? That's one option. You have another option. What did you say? What, what? Say it again. They're not going to give you. Slap it down. Shake it into the fire. And then laugh. Follow it up with laughter. When you laugh at someone, it can be painful. Can any man do your Imagine Uriel Fair coming to me now. Pastor, you know, can you believe that? In the, in the choir. That girl, she was just looking at me. She was what? She was. <laughs> ah, Pastor, why are you laughing now? I say, so I'm telling you something that's spinning me. And you're laughing. Well, you, she what? <laughs> oh, my God. She was. She was. The devil brings something very serious to your table. You know that devil is the stupid devil. He talks to us sometimes like he cares about us. Ah, Omode, Mamad Bare, don't kill yourself. This boy, don't kill yourself. As if he cares whether you kill yourself or not. He actually wants to kill you. But you are standing on the word of God and he's telling you, yeah, this word of God you are standing on. Hey, you better don't kill yourself. Laugh at him. When you laugh at him, he will be angry. Why are you laughing at me? I'm laughing at you because you said... I'm going to kill myself. Yes! You kill yourself. You laugh again. Laugh until he's frustrated and he leaves. When you laugh at someone, you disarm them. Somebody's coming to fight you and you start laughing. You know laughter can be contagious. So why are you laughing now? Why are you laughing? Whoa, whoa, what's funny? I came to fight you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even laughing. He's, he's, now, he's now laughing. Why, why? <laughs> Oh, be careful. <laughs> you use this as nothing. <laughs> oh, <well, laughs> why are you? <laughs> you know, you have disarmed. One of the weapons. See, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. They may look carnal, but they are mighty through God. When God says, dance before me all night, dancing is carnal. But when God takes over it, it becomes mighty through God. When God says, just be clapping your hand. I just want you to be clapping your hand. Say clapping. Lord, what's the solution in clapping? I say clap. Okay, oh, we are clapping. We are, that is carnal. But it is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Are you with me this morning? Just, just, just sing. Just worship me. Singing is carnal. Just sing a song, sing a song, sing a song. But when the spirit dimension takes over, it becomes mighty through God. I mean, Jehoshaphat, are you normal? How can you put the choir before the army? They are going for war. I mean, when you are going to war, you should put the soldiers in front. He put choir in front. He put soldiers at the back. And he said, the battle is of the Lord. Ah! If I was in that choir, I would run to the back. Oh. 
Because the people come here, not, they're, they're not coming, they're, they're not the play. Oh. Now, there's a popular slang as they play. They play. That, those people are not playing. They are coming with grenades. They are coming with bombs. And you say, the Lord has an army. For the Lord is good. For the Lord. Ah, Omar, if I was leading that choir, I'll be at the back. Oh. Soprano sing. Choir. Choir master sing from the back. God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The enemies looked at themselves. They said, what are they singing? We came for what they are singing. The other one said, are they singing? They are mind me now. Said, they mad. I said, they are singing. They said, they are mind me. Who is the boss here? Ah, boss. You can be mad too now. Boss. War broke out in their camp and they helped to kill one another. The situations confronting you will help to exterminate one another in the name of Jesus. Just be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. He can tell you to do something that doesn't make sense to you. Doesn't make sense. If you try to rationalize it, you have rationalized the way your miracle. May you not have to do that in the name of Jesus. May you be sensitive in the name of Jesus. Don't fall into self-pity. It leads to depression. It leads to depression. Galatians 5.22 tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy. Joy is one of them. Joy. Joy. May joy bubble forth in your heart in the name of Jesus. I have other scriptures, but I need to go on now. Number three, get a word from God. It's time to reach in words and get a word from the Lord. The kingdom is within you. When you are in trouble, when the beast fastens itself to you, get a word from God. Paul had gotten a word from God before the beast came. You remember in chapter 27, Paul stood up and gave them a word. He said, the angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, stood by me tonight and told me, nobody will die. So they made it through. And as they made it through, the enemy came again. New levels, new devils. He tried to kill them in the shipwreck. They did not die. They only lost the ship. They survived the shipwreck. Now a snake coming now. The Christian life can be like that. As you are approaching a new level in God and in life, Satan will bring new attacks. But hey, glory be to God. Because we have the one that causes us to triumph always in Christ Jesus. Give me 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 2.14. I believe it is. 2 Corinthians 2.14. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now read everybody. We are going to read this in different translations. This is KJV first. Let's go. One to go. Now, thanks be unto God. Who sometimes causes us to triumph in Christ. How often does it cause us to triumph? Always in Christ. And make it manifest the sub of his knowledge by us in every place. Give me NIV. NIV, quickly, 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 quickly. But thanks be to God who sometimes leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. And to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. How often does he do that? Give it to me in Amplified Classic. Quickly. Thank you, media. You're doing a good job. But thanks be to God who in Christ, once in a while, leads us in triumph. Give it to me in message translation. Are you sure it's always? God is always leading us? And I got it. Thank God in the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one once in a while victory parade. Perpetual. Somebody shouted perpetual there. The Lord bless you. Okay, the Lord bless you too. Okay, the Lord bless you too. Oh, 
all you guys are members of the kingdom of God. Somebody said perpetual. Our victory is perpetual. 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 With a win every day. I say with a win every day. That's what it means. We win every day in Christ. Not once in a while. So get a word from God. Get a word. Get a word. The kingdom is within you. Luke 17, 20 to 21. Get a word from God. Get a word from God. Acts 27. Let's go to Acts 27 where Paul got the word. And then we look at verses 23 to 25. Very quickly. Verses 23 to 25. Verses 23 to 25. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Saying, fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sars be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. What has God told you? This journey you are about to embark on. Have you got a word from God? This relationship you are about to start. Have you got a word from God? This business you are about to venture into. Have you got a word from God? This course of action, this new profession that you want to venture into. Have you got a word from God? Get a word. In the middle of your storm, the word will keep you going. You can go back to God and say, God, this was what you told me on the 13th of March, 2021. You told me so, so, and so before I started. So God, make good your word. In the heat of my furnace, one night I got up, 1 a.m., I went to my sitting room. I walked like Nicodemus out of the bedroom because I didn't want my wife to wake up. Like Nicodemus tiptoed in John chapter 3 to Jesus in the night. I tiptoed to the, to the sitting room. As I knelt down to pray, the Holy Ghost said to me, Isaiah 66 and verse 9, and I opened it, and I found, shall I bring to the birth, and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord, shall I cause to bring forth, and shut the womb, saith thy God. Those words jumped at me. I was facing a situation that they describe in medicine as threatened abortion. God was cooking something in my life and in the lives of many people attached to me. And Satan was making an attempt to crash that thing. So God gave me this word. Already I have a word for anti-abortion. My word is Zechariah 4.9. Anytime, any day. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of his house. His hands shall also finish it. And you shall know that a lot of us are sending to you. Those of you that have been listening to me for a long time, you know that word already. While the word is blessing some people, some are complaining. Why would pastor give us that scripture over and over and over? Peleo, you know more than God. I'm not sent to you. I'm sent to people that need help. But that night, see, don't be too familiar with God. He can give you a word from Matthew 1.1. Matthew 1.1 is probably the introduction of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. God can choose to speak to you from genealogy. Somebody begat somebody. Somebody begat Methuselah. Somebody begat. And from begat, begat. Ah, begat. Somebody begat. That means they give birth. Lord, I will give birth. Amen? There is no word from God that is devoid of the power of fulfilling itself. There is no word from God that is paperless and powerless. Every word from God is quick and powerful. Hebrews 4.12 said the word of God is quick and powerful. Somebody said powerful. Say it like an Asian. Powerful. Hallelujah. Get a word from God. Get a word from God. Paul got a word from God. He said, for I believe God. That it shall be, even as was told me. So as God gave me that word, 
Isaiah 66 and verse 9. I said, Lord, you will not cause to bring forth. You will not bring to birth and not cause to bring forth. You don't do that. You are a good God. You are not the God of abortion. When a woman is laboring about and she's pushing and she's pushing, God said, I will not shut the womb. The womb is where the child has been hidden for nine months. The womb needs to open. I'm not an expert in obstetrics and gynecology, but having been a father a couple of times, I have a little understanding. In fact, at some point in the course of the labor, the doctors and nurses will come and check the dilatation. And they say, it's now two centimeters. Now it is now three centimeters. And we are going to ten centimeters. If the woman does not dilate or dilatate very well, then they can inject something or encourage. And then it will open and open and open and open until she's able to now push and have a baby. And if she cannot, because the womb is too small, then they go for cesarean section. God said, will I cause the head of the baby to come and now shut the womb? That will kill the mother and the child. God said, I'm not a wicked God. When I start anything, I finish it. May God finish every project he has started in your life this season in the name of Jesus. Shout a better amen. Shout a believing amen. Those words jumped at me. Gave me strength. I got up. I began to dance. The devil said, hey, hey, hey. I said, laughed at him, slapped him down, shook him up into the fire. Get a word from God. When you get a word from God, the word of God will strengthen and nourish your spirit man. Just like food to your body. The reason some of us are weak spiritually is because we have not been feeding on the word of God. I don't understand why when I'm weak, when I'm hungry, I'm weak. And I don't understand how it happens. Medical students can explain that after eating a plate of agbu, and Ogbono soup. The one that has a lot of okoroko buried inside. And some periwinkle and goat meat. Almost immediately. And for the Yoruba people. A plate of amala. And jibegri and a wedding. Which is called abula. And goat meat and bakoto or kmomo. You know the kind of kmomo that has been buried in stew for two days. So that when you bring it out like this. It's very helpless. It's shaking, shaking, shaking. Anybody knows what I'm talking about this morning? Something's happening to your appetite. The Lord help you. Oh, maybe it's a plate of delicately prepared fried rice and coconut rice together. Coconut on one side, fried rice on the other. Or maybe basmati. And, and, and a bit of salad. Coleslaw. Eh? And by the side, you have some plantain, golden yellow. You're eh? the What's happening? And then, then you have some golden yellow chicken by the side. And then there's a glass of, there's a glass of, uh, 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 there's this drink, oh, mango mujati, something like that. Do you know mujati? Okay, yeah. And then there's a, there's a cup of, of mojito, mojito, it's mojito, <laughs> mojito. And, hey, you know, and then, and then you finish it. And then you finish it. Then energy comes. You almost want to run a race. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? What is the combination? We eat. The food goes into our belly, not into our leg. All of a sudden, legs can run. Do you know you can be so hungry that your hands will be shaking? 
the pastor of our church in Uyo. Don't tell him when you see him. He's my very good friend. We grew up in Mokola together. We used to play football together. He used to dance Michael Jackson those days. He said, he said to me one day, Fredo, he said, he said, when I'm hungry, I have a headache. <laughs> I said, how? <laughs> Does the food go to your head? <laughs> Some people are like that. When they are hungry, they have a headache. But the moment they eat, headache is gone. What is the technology? I don't know. Listen, when you are hungry, what is the reasonable thing to do? Huh? Eat. Why don't you feed on the memory of the food you ate yesterday? Say, ah, man, yesterday was asaro, eleko, rete, rete, yam pottage with ugu, ugu vegetable by the side and crayfish and, 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 and chicken. Oh, Lord, I remember that food. I remember it in the name of Jesus. Please give me water. I remember the, I, I remember the food. I remember. Give me water, man. I remember the food. I'm feeding on the memory of that food. Open it. Open it. Open it. I'm feeding on the memory of the food I ate yesterday. Thank you, Lord. I'm feeding on the memory of the food. Oh, Lord. Yeah, last week, ah, they took me to a place in Lagos and they gave me pounded yam and um, um, sea, seafood. Seafood. Okra. Okra. You guys have, have you eaten it before? It's expensive, but it's very nice. There's a place called Shandy's on this road too. You can eat it there. Uh, I've been there. I took my family there. My, since then, my, my children, when we drive past it, that is Shandy's. I say, ah. when is it Shandy? I say, school fish. <laughs> when we went there, this is free information for you. I've been planning to eat that seafood for a long time. My wife went for jollof rice and then I said, please, seafood. And uh, and pounded yam. Oh Lord, come and see those crayfish. What do they call those things? Is it crayfish? Prawns. I say, ah, hey, yo, you are butting, you are butting. Me and Paco, it's crayfish. Everything for us is crayfish. Is it prawns? The thing that when they boil it, it will not be, it will not be, it will woo. <laughs> it will gain weight. It will not bear like this. I told my wife, I said, we should be eating this one inside our okra at home. He said, I bring the money. I said, okay, it's all right. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm hungry right now. Can I feed on the memory of what I ate at Shandy's months ago? Such a person will die of starvation. Why are you feeding on the memory of the word of God? I know John 3.16. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. No. Get into the word daily. Feed daily. Feed. Feed. Give us day by day our daily bread. Get a word from God. Are you being blessed this morning? Job 23 and verse 12. Job said, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed his word more than my necessary food. Write down the scriptures. Let me go to the last point. Isaiah 30 verses 29 to 31. Hebrews 4, 12. Hebrews 1, 3. Hebrews 11, 3. Hebrews 11. Okay, let me say it again. I was too fast. Isaiah 30 verses 29 to 31. Isaiah 30 verses 29 to 31. Hebrews 4, 12. Hebrews 1, 3. Then Hebrews 11, 3. Hebrews 11.3 tells us that by faith we understand that the world were framed by the word of God. 
and I wrote this down. Listen, this is good for you, child of God. If the word was powerful enough to frame the world, then it is powerful enough to give stability to your life and bring whatever you need and bring your joy and bring your peace and bring your wholeness in the name of Jesus. Can I have an amen to that? Point number four, which is the last point. I'm telling you what to do. What do I do now? I'm in a situation. What do I do? Number one, I said, cast down those thoughts. Number two, I said, don't fall into self-pity and depression. Number three, I said, get a word from God. Number four, shake off the beast. Every thought sent by Satan to limit you, to harass you into a corner, and to stop your destiny is a beast. Don't pamper it. Shake it off into the fire. Do so with the help of the Holy Spirit and do so in the name of Jesus. Again, I will teach and preach on the name next week. But write these two scriptures down. Acts 28 and verse 5. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Acts 28 and verse 5. Then Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Acts 28, 5 says, And Paul shook off the beast into the fire, and he felt no harm. Every time you shake off the beast into the fire, you will feel no harm. When those evil thoughts come, people sleep, and in the dream, they don't have peace. It's as if you are walking in a factory. People sleep, and it's like 10 men are pressing you down. They can call it sleep paralysis. Whatever name it is called, it's a name. It's not normal. You are half awake and half unconscious. And you're asking for help. It's like 10 men are depressing you. A couple of people have told me they sleep and they injure themselves from the sleep. That's not normal. So going to bed in the night is always a, a dread. They don't want to go to bed in the night because the moment they sleep like this, wahala starts. You wake up in the morning and you discover that you have, you have inflicted injury on yourself. A sister told me in our church years ago, when we were still upstairs as an afternoon church, she was beating, beating blue-black in the dream. She saw marks on her body when she woke up. That's an oppression of the devil. A young man also in our church was slapped in the dream. They called me at about 2 a.m. He's from Delta State. He, he said he saw his mom in the village. Somebody carried a big stone and was going to throw it on the mother. So he pushed away the person. The person dropped the stone and then gave him a slap. And from the dream into real life, he felt this excruciating pain. They called me at 2 a.m. I started praying. By the time he came at 7 a.m. Saturday morning, the pain was still there. Subsided a little, but was still there. He held his face like this to come and see me in church. So, the unseen realm is real. I taught a Bible study series. Go and get the messages. The reality of the unseen realm. But listen, it's not just about bad, bad, bad in the unseen realm. We also have the victory in the unseen realm. We have a name in the unseen realm. We have the word of God in the unseen realm. We have angels in the unseen realm. We have the blood of Jesus in the unseen realm. We have so much equipment at our arsenal. Why are we not deploying them? Shake off the beast. What if, what if you don't live to your next birthday? Shake it off into the fire. Can I have an amen to that? Shake it off. 
You are going to bed in the night. You say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I sanctify my room. I bind every demon in this room. Assigned to torment me. When I hit my bed, I'm going to sleep like a baby and I'm going to wake up as a giant in the morning. Ah, I remember when the Lord delivered me. Oh, one morning, I woke up at past four. I was jubilating. I slept all night. Went to bed early and didn't wake up until past four. I said, Lord, I bless your name. Thank you. And it's been sweet ever since. I wake up when I want to say my prayer and I command my body to go back to sleep. And I say, Holy Spirit, thank you for making... In fact, let me tell you this. I do this also. I taught a couple in America. I mentor them. So when I visit America, I always visit their home. When you're going to have a short night, because you're working late, and you have to wake up early in the morning, tell the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I know this sleep will be short because I have to wake up early, but please make it restful for me. It's not the length of the sleep sometimes, but in the restfulness of the sleep. Make it restful for me. You know you can sleep an hour and it can be so therapeutic. You wake up so refreshed. You can sleep seven hours and you wake up as if you are just coming from a factory. Because of those who are downloading outside our country. Though you have gone to work so hard. May the Lord grant you rest. Okay, two people. May the Lord grant you rest. May you rest right now. Uh, may you rest right now. May you rest right now. Concerning that matter, may you have rest right now. Some are postponing till tomorrow. May you have rest right now. After service, Satan will come and say, Ah! What do you do? Shake it off into the fire. Amen. It's a beast. Shake it off. Shake it off and rest. Shaking off the beast is not shaking your head. This is you rising up like an edifice. Jude 120. Praying in the Holy Ghost and taking the battle to the gate of the enemy. And putting him where he belongs. He belongs in the fire. Put him there. This is you rising up and taking spiritual responsibility for your life in the place of effectual fervent prayer. Look at me, everybody. When Satan fires a thought at you, you know what most Christians do? They flip their fingers above their head. That doesn't work. It doesn't cut anything. It doesn't work at all. Tell your neighbor it doesn't work. Tell them in Yoruba language, it work. Tell them in English language, it doesn't work. Okay, British, it doesn't work. American, it doesn't work. Niger, cooking, walk. Some, some don't flip fingers. They shake their head. Devil say, now you're on a bike. You're on a bike. You're on a bike. Your pastor said, don't board bike. Don't enter bike. Don't carry bike. Don't fly bike. Now you're going to die. Then you say, you better don't have in this location here at the Savaika and Thurazic. Savaika, Thurazic, Lumba, Sacral, Corda. Did I get it right? I hope I got it right from elementary biology. <laughs> I have medical students and doctors in the house. They're looking at me like, mm, Pastor, <laughs> take it easy. <laughs> but it's the first one. Unless my biology teacher got it wrong. The first one is Savaika. Then thoracic. Then Lumba. Then Sakra. <laughs> then Koda. 
You have your own name, uh, uh, advanced name for you to leave us, leave us with our coda. That's how they'll be telling us that biscuit bone is not biscuit bone, it's brisket bone. What's brisket? You have taken away the sweetness of the bone. It becomes called biscuit. It's sweet like biscuits. That's why it's called biscuit bone. Is it brisket? That's why it's brisket. Anyway, listen, church. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're on a bike. You're going to die. Shake it off. Shake it off. See yourself in the future. One good way. One good way to live long. See yourself in the future. I can see myself on the wedding day of my daughter. The graduation and wedding of my son. I see myself at your wedding ceremony. Many of you. And when you are having children, you see, if I say, Pastor, come and name your grandchild, oh. The principles you taught us then, we are using it now, oh. And I'll be flying from England to America to Canada to Germany to Switzerland to Spain. After some time, some of you say, Pastor, well, we don't like, don't fly economy. We, we, we bought you first class ticket. And some of you, Amen. Because you'll be rich. Some of you say, Pastor, no, 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 no. We don't even want you to go through commercial airline again. We are buying you a jet. You had better use your imagination positively. The devil tries to use our imagination against us. Why is it that when we dream, everything is bad dream? Why? The devil is manipulating your imagination. Use it to your own advantage. See yourself being called as one of the first class graduates of George Washington University. And you are walking on the podium. And you are going to meet a white VC. And you are collecting your collection. Hallelujah. The devil will collect. You say collect blessing. Amen. See yourself sitting down in Switzerland with all the heads of corporations across the world. The head of World Bank is there, World Health Organization, United Nations. And then you are making a decision, you are making a case and you are telling them this is why you must help Nigeria. This is why Africa should be helped. We qualify for that grant. Yes. And they are listening. Okay, okay, okay. And you are talking and they are listening. Can I have an amen? Those are the giants that will emerge from the expression house in the name of Jesus. The Bible said the seed of the oppressed shall be mighty upon the earth. You shall be mighty upon the earth. Your own children too shall be mighty upon the earth. Can I have a better amen? Rise up and pray in the Holy Ghost. Shake off the beast. Don't shake your head. Shake him into the fire. James 5.16 says in the B part of it, it said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. One translation says makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. Amplified classic. Your prayer. The prayer of one person. One, just you alone, can change the trajectory of your family. Just only you. You don't need people agreeing with you. Only you can change the trajectory of your family. You can be a trailblazer. In fact, you are meant to be a trailblazer in that family. You are meant to be a barrier breaker. You are meant to be a line crosser. You are meant to be a pace setter. You are meant to be a trend setter. And through God, you will do valiantly. Whatever limited your parents, you will scale that limit in the name of Jesus. The psalmist said, with God, I have leaped over a wall. With God, I have run through a troop. With God, you will run through a troop. With God, you will leap over a wall. You will cross limitations. Where nobody has ever been to in your family, you will be the first to get there. You will lead others there. You will be the shining light in the name of Jesus. 
they will look at you and you become a showcase of the goodness of God. You become a mobile advertisement of the glory of God. Can I have a better amen? And listen, it's not only prayer. It's not only prayer, but praying using the authority of the name of Jesus. The name is the most powerful weapon in the realm of the spirit. That name, that name, that name. But listen, to enjoy the authority of that name, you must, you must be submitted to authority yourself. This is where work is. 2 Corinthians 10.6. I want to stop now. 2 Corinthians 10.6. Having the readiness. Being in readiness to punish. Give me that scripture. Give me that translation. Being in readiness to punish every insubordinate. Insubordinate for his disobedience. When your own submission and obedience as a church are fully secured and complete. Give me KJV. KJV. Having the readiness to revenge all disobedience when your own obedience is fulfilled. To enjoy authority, you must be under authority. We want to use the authority of the name of Jesus. But are we also under authority ourselves? Can God talk to you and you listen? Can your head of ministry talk to you and you listen? The MC today mentioned that we are going to go for evangelism on Friday. 4 p.m. Will you come? He said, I've never evangelized before, but let me go and see how they do it. It's a good way to start. Do you belong to a ministry? Are you serving in the house? To enjoy authority, you must be under authority. Do you know why I enjoy being the pastor of this church? Because I'm under the authority of the senior pastor. Who says, Pastor Fred, go and pastor the place. Teach them the word of God. Feed them with the word of God. The day I go to him and say, Pastor, I know more than you now. The way the Holy Ghost has been dishing our revelation to me. Ah, Baba, forget it. You need to catch up with me. Now, I have placed myself above authority. And what does that mean? Olule. That's to fall down. That was what happened to Satan. Ilule. He was the first Lule. Isaiah 14, verses 13 to 14. He said, I will now exalt my star above that of the, of the Almighty. My throne above the stars of the Almighty. I will do this. I will do that. God said, oh yeah, Lule. Since that time, the guy has Lule. He's the father of every Lule you know. You must be under authority. Is there anything God has been correcting you about? You are going to visit your boyfriend. You are sleeping there overnight. You are having sex. Yeah, God is merciful. He has forgiven you if you have asked him for forgiveness. That's why you are not dead today. If he didn't forgive you, you have you would have, yeah, you are lule. But you are still here because God is merciful. But is he correcting something today? Is he telling you to stop? Will you stop? Because let me tell you, Satan knows when you are submitted to God's authority and he will listen to you when you command him and he will go. But when you are living in disobedience yourself, he is the father of disobedience. You are wearing the same perfume. You say, ah, you, you of all people. Senior pastor told us the story. I close it. When he was serving in Elisha during his youth service days, I think 1980, they were Christians, this body of believers. They were conducting deliverance on a lady. One group was casting out, binding the devil. Another group was casting the devil out. 
Another group was pleading the blood of Jesus. That was what they knew to do then. As they were casting the devil, binding and roasting the devil, one of the brothers that was part of the blood of Jesus group, they were pleading the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. The demon jumped out of the lady and entered his mouth. Senior pastor told us the story, and I believe. The brother had opened his life through disobedience to Satan. He knows. You know you want to capture a devil and devil begins here. So, no, 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 no. I, I know about Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who the heck are you? Tanyeo in the Kitty dialect. Joe, Tanyeo. Who are you? Uh, you remember? I think it's Acts 17. Those seven sons of one skiba. They say, in the name of Jesus that Paul is preaching, we command you out. Not the Jesus that we have a relationship with, though. The one Paul is preaching. In the name of Jesus of our church. In the name of Jesus, our compass of friend. Oh, Lord, I want Baba. Lord, you okay? Is he your own God? The God of our fathers. Does he know you? That one stinking demon jumped on the seven of them, beat them to stupor, tore their clothes. They ran out with torn boxers shorts. It's in the book of Acts. When you get to read it. Because they were not submitted to the authority of Jesus. And they wanted to use the authority. When you are shaking the beast into the fire, you shake him into the fire in the authority of the name of Jesus. Guys, it is real. The name of Jesus is real. I've seen some battles in my life and I've seen God turn things around. The name of Jesus, I will teach you next week. The, the authority in that name. The authority. That's why I don't subscribe to people using the name to cut birthday cake. Be creative. You can spare grace, spare love, cut the cake. You can spare cake to cut cake. Give me a C, an A, a K, an E. Cake. And the cake will not complain. Ah! Some people, until they have used Jesus, they can't cut cake. You don't try that with the Muslims. The Muslims hallow the name of their prophet. Jesus is not a prophet. He's our savior. The Muslims so much hallow the name of the prophet that when they call the name of the prophet, they must say Salah wa wa Salah. When they write the name, they must write Saw in front of it. The guy is Saw. He doesn't see anymore, but he saw. S-A-W. You tamper with that, you see their wrath. But we, see your nice shoes, Jesus See this nigga, jeez. Jeez. Oh, Jesus. At the mention of that name, angels always stand at attention when they hear the name. Only God knows how many times they've stood for you to help you. And they discover that you didn't need help. It was just a plate that broke in your hand. Jesus. Cockroach in your kitchen. Jesus. You see fine girl on the street. Jesus. 
want to fornicate. You are already thinking of fornication. You are looking at the calves and the Jesus. You are calling the name to help your fornication. Over there sweating. God will bless us. We will buy AC in this house. ACs and mist fans. God will bless all of you. Nobody in this church will be poor. Amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. Have you been blessed this morning?